Welcome to Life on Earth Podcast. This is Adam, and I'm joined as always with my co-host Ed. And today we welcome Shane Rice to the program. Welcome, Shane. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to talk to you. So a little introduction. Shane Rice is a firefighter in the Portland metro area. He serves on the fire training committee and is a union president. He's been a volunteer since 2001, and he was hired in 2006. Shane is a longtime friend. He incidentally reached out as a fan of our show and expressed appreciation of our message about vulnerability, wellness, mental health, and addiction. He mentioned that we've tapped into some truth that really resonates in his world. We're gonna unpack this in this episode, but it sounds like there's been a silent pandemic of sorts of suicide, PTSD, and mental health conditions among first responders. Shane, thank you for joining us and for being willing to talk about this extremely important issue. Absolutely, I'm honored uh, to, uh, to be invited and, and to discuss this. It's something, something that's been going on in the, the fire service and really public safety sector for quite a while. Um, and I think we've, we're starting to see it kind of creep into to our generation, my generation, and uh, we're uh, working to, uh, to educate and uh, also support um, those who are struggling with a lot of this stuff. Well, I think, I think the first thing that comes up when we talk about something like suicide or mental health or addiction, and, and they're all obviously intertwined, but is uh, two things, uh, stigma, uh, and then and, and just, just the fact that we need to talk, we need to, we need to be talking about this. Uh, pe- people need to hear that it's okay to share that they're struggling. I mean, what, one of the facts that you shared with me is that I found interesting was in, in 2017, suicide became the number one death in the fire service over line of duty and cancer. Can, can you talk to me just how this is, how this is affecting you? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's ironically, 2017 was just a, an interesting year in my workforce in general. And, and this number came out and I think at least, you know, a, a lot of stuff, you know, I'll, I'll kind of chat about is my bubble, you know, it's my, my world that I live in. And, you know, of course there's, there's, you know, statistically there's a lot more going on with this, but um, in 2017, I mean, it was a staggering number that I remember reading, you know, it was always that cancer is going to kill firefighters, you know, cancer mm-hmm. gets us as, you know, as what, and we've, we've done so well preventing cancer. Um, we're, we're so much healthier um, in how we, kind of decon stuff. And, and we seem to have, you know, for the most part, um, really treated cancer aggressively. We, we did everything mm. we could to prevent it. But um, the PTSD and, and, and mental health portion, um, I think we, we started to see it, like I said, for me personally, in my small bubble and workforce, um, kind of creep in a, a little bit and become an issue. Um, you know, and in, in 2017, um, that number, you know, popped up that more um, firefighters um, died by suicide um, than in the line of duty. Um, and that, that number has continued in that manner. Um, and only, you know, 40 to 45% of um, firefighter suicides are reported. Wow. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty staggering number. And, and maybe I'll, uh, I'm going to try to connect the dots a little bit, but on one hand, and I, so it's interesting because I, I have shared on the podcast that I identify as someone in recovery and, and I got sober in 2017. And it's funny, as I wrapped my head around sobriety, 
uh, some some of the things that are thrown around in the recovery community is like, why is something of the brain, something like addiction or recovery, treated different than something like cancer or diabetes? They're all illnesses. And, and what I heard you say was, we, we had all the, the, these tangible programs to prevent something you can measure like a cancer, a lung cancer, probably I would think would be a huge one or asbestos or something. But when it's something that's for whatever reason from the neck up and it has to do with um, the, the soft organ between our ears, it's a lot harder to quantify that. You can't, you can't run a blood test. You can't, you can't necessarily do a scan. It's this emotional uh, psychological thing that's, that's harder to um, uh, uh, quantify and it's harder to, it's more insidious. Does that, does yeah, that no, some, no, absolutely. I mean, and especially, I mean, I mean, I mean, this is trauma. I mean, for, for, to put it bluntly, I mean, it's, it's repetitive trauma, um, that, I mean, not just firefighters, but, you know, EMTs and, you know, police officers are exposed to, and, it's, you know, it's, it's easy to, to fill out the paperwork on a, on a blown ACL, you know, that was a, a, at a fire. Um, but when people kind of have, have that breaking mental moment, um, there's no paperwork for that. Um, and it becomes this real gray area of how did this perfectly healthy, you know, model employee for 10, 12 years um, kind of have this breaking moment um, that isn't, maybe isn't being quite successful in the workforce and, and really for the time being isn't, isn't able to come back into the workforce um, and just needs a break. Um, and that's, that's kind of been where we've, we've landed as a workforce is to how do we support these employees? How do we get them healthy? How do we, how do we as a workforce wrap our heads around this um, to support these people? Um, how do you identify it earlier? Where something a knee is, it's very black and white, but the the brain, the consciousness is very can be very gray. And then on top of that, uh, again, I, I'm projecting here. I'm just assuming. I, I I'm not a firefighter, but um, if you think of maybe the top five macho careers, that's got to be up there. And that's so. You know, it, it, is there a ton of stigma in the in the fire department on? Um, you know where I'm going with this. Oh, I'm not feeling yeah. it today or I'm, or I'm anxious. You know, you just, it's just anxiety yeah, I mean, was not in my lexicon when all this happened. Yeah. And, yeah. and in fact, I was judgmental of people and I'm not proud of that, but that's just part of my journey. So can, is that what you guys I, think you're up against? I think, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I mean, not to sound put, you know, the career on a pedestal, but we, we kind of are the, the people, whether it's a, a smoke detector that's not working properly in your home or your, your house is on fire. Um, we're kind of the, the, the last resort on the, the emergency, you know, when you get the fire department. So for somebody to kind of bow out and say, I just can't do this right now. I'm not, I'm not there. Yeah, I think there is a stigma. Um, I think generationally we're seeing that change a bit. I mean, when I first started, I mean, people just didn't even want to take a sick day. If you took a sick day, you were, you know, just staying home and, you know, weren't, weren't wanting to work hard. Um, you know, now, you know, I'm, as the union, you know, if you need a day, take a day, you know, there's, you don't have to be home with the, the flu, you know, on your, on your deathbed to take a sick day. If you're mentally burned out, take a day. And I think that's where we've really tried to, 
kind of educate the the workforce and support them and educate managers and you know everyone that you know these are especially during these times you know it's the repetitive working nonstop and seeing this just isn't isn't healthy um it's and there's so many components to it from exposures to sleep cycles to um those kind of traumatic events that we end up being exposed to i have a question for you shane so you know firefighting is one of those careers that it's not a job you do for 20 years and retire from it's kind of an identity job where you're a firefighter for life and it's a brotherhood do you feel like the older generation prepared you for the mental trauma side uh, of firefighting because they talk about what to do with compound fractures or smoke inhalation or any other uh, hazard you're going to face but do you think you walking into the job were prepared uh, mentally for what you would be seeing and going through? Um, to, to a certain extent, you know, I think there's, I, I'm a kind of an interesting generation where I'm, I'm really right in the middle where, you know, when I came on, it was 06. We still had some of that real, real old kind of guard, so to speak of uh, gentlemen that had been there 25, 30 years. And they were kind of the generation of, we don't talk about it. Um, just get to work uh, to, to a certain extent. Um, I, I had a, one of my best friends growing up, his, his dad, um, was a firefighter and for me personally, um, gave me some of the best advice. Um, I think I got early in my career is do not let this job identify you go home and just go home. Um, and that's always resonated with me that when you go home, you know, I don't need to be my title or I, you know, if I'm camping, I don't need to be my title, but, you know, to kind of circle back to your question yeah i i think we we do have a fair amount of people that identifies this 24 7 and it, and, it, and that's good you want that that proud workforce because they're engaged and but you also don't get to turn that switch off now you talked about you're starting to identify this as a real issue that people are facing and while you're right you know we don't understand everything there is about mental health yet um do you feel like it's almost been a compounding issue because it was such a stigmatized thing and it's such a macho career where mental health is not something men have really been willing to address or admit? Um, do you think that compounded the issue generation, generationally speaking in terms of firefighters coming in, you know, in new groups, whereas this became bigger and bigger and your predecessors who were training you and who were showing you the ropes and who you looked up to, you saw the battle they were fighting because um, you can see mental health issues as they arise in people. And it's, do you feel like it compounded the issue and made it heavier and harder? The fact that a, it wasn't spoken about and B it was seen as something that was kind of uh, a weakness or a softness. Yeah, no, it, I mean, it absolutely did. Um, I, I don't think there's any denying that. I think, you know, I look at when I came in and um, you know, I look at some of the real senior members when I was there and, you know, a couple, unfortunately, stand out of, they had some severe substance abuse issues. And, you know, they'd come into work and, you know, we're, you can tell we're, we're kind of maybe, you know, drying out a little bit, um, you know, and, you know, that's the, that's the real obvious one in front of you. But, um, you know, nobody would talk about it. Nobody wanted to talk about it. It was just, okay, move on, pretend this isn't happening. Um, 
And I think at least now what we're seeing is people want to attack that problem. They want to, you know, get in front of those employees and then those members and say, are you good? What can we do to support you? Um, and I think you know, the, the big picture on this is including their spouses. And mm-hmm. that's something that just so long went, I'm going to engage with this employee. I'm going to make sure they're good. But there's a whole back half to this. I mean, how is your home life? How is your spouse? Are we supporting your, your household? Are we supporting your, does your, I mean, there's just so many layers to this that I think we just, you know, we used to say, you good, you need to, you need to talk to somebody and assume the problem was fixed. And, you know, they, they tell you you're good and you talk to their spouse and it's, it's not good, not, not even close. Um, so I think you you recognize the global impact, of, you know, for each individual, you know, outside of the workforce, just like you said, you try to encourage people that when you leave the job that you go home and live that life too. But it sounds like that's an incredibly progressive way of looking at things of not just how are you doing when you're at the job, but let's talk to your family. Let's talk to about, you know, your support structure outside of the position as well. Um, how long has that type of thinking really been instituted? Uh, I mean, I think with us, we had a, in, in my organization in 2017, we had a, a member that was killed um, in an extremely traumatic event on a hunting trip um, with some of our members. Um, and that, that year in particular, I think we saw, I, I don't want to say our workforce unravel, but I think we saw just so many people kind of go off on their own and try to mentally sort through what had happened. Um, and I think we, we are just now starting to feel some of the fallout um, and, and, and some success stories of helping people of how to not let this happen again. Um, yeah, and that speaks to the insidious nature of this. It's not an ACL that's that's bang. It's it's either broke or fixed. You know, in medicine, yeah. we like we like to joke about orthopedic surgeons as you know they're like bone broke, fix it. You know, it's like they're no. It's very like black or white. And obviously, uh, any, any you know, obviously everyone's very highly trained and good. But again, with the mental stuff, I mean, addiction, for example, take alcoholism. It can be. Uh, it can be a very long, confused. I mean, in, in the recovery literature, they say it's uh, uh, cunning, baffling, powerful. I mean, it's just, it's, it's very, it's not a linear thing. So, so it's harder to put your finger on. So it makes complete sense to me from a big event, traumatic event in 2017, just now, three, four years later, you're starting to see the fallout because maybe someone turned to alcohol, maybe someone turned to what other, whatever distraction. These are not things that have immediate consequences. It's not linear. Absolutely. I mean, when I hear you talk about this and the fact that, you know, not only are you recognizing it, but that you're recognizing fallout from something that happened three years ago, going on four years ago, yeah. uh, that shows just how in tune your profession is with mental health. Because quite frankly, I don't think the rest of the world's on par with that. I don't think people individually have that kind of understanding themselves let alone their entire profession and colleagues and coworkers. That's fantastic to hear. It, it is. I think in organizationally, and I'm, I'm you know, privileged to work for a, a great organization, and we have some really, really good organizations as well around the, the Portland metro area. Um, you know, you've seen uh, peer support teams. Um, you know, they go out and get trained of how to engage 
you know, firefighters and talk with them through stuff. And I think, you know, some of the stuff that we have identified as a, a workforce is firefighters want to talk to firefighters. Mm-hmm. They, they don't want, it's a, it's a, it's a close knit family. It's a lot of pride they will open up to other firefighters. They, they don't want a you know, psychologist in, in front of them uh, trying to walk them through um, how to sort their issues. So we and many other organizations around the area have started training um, our own members of how to walk people through these events and then how to get them going in the right places, how to get them going to whether it be substance abuse or counseling, um, and make sure we're steering them in the, the right direction, not just trying to figure out what's wrong with them, if you will, you know, mentally, but really kind of full picture, um, get them to where they need to go. That sounds procedural. Like it's not just a poster hanging in the break room. Um, but, you know, it sounds like there's actual department procedural uh, methodology being put into place. Is that the case where you're training people how to recognize it? You're, actually having the awareness to be forward thinking like that, or is it more, you know, you're kind of still counting on people recognizing it. It's instituting it themselves. It's, it's starting to become procedural. I mean, it, it takes um, kind of the whole, the whole organization working, working as one, you know, the union and, and the, the fire managers and, and everybody to, to, to sort through this. I mean, there's so many layers to this. Um, of how you, um, you know, how do you get somebody to a treatment facility? Um, How do you, you know, identify the paperwork? How do we get them off work? How do we get them to travel? Um, What we've done, um, and this was the the union president previous to me, kind of kind of came up with this. Um, You know, the the Center for Excellence is is back east. It's the union, the International Association for Firefighters. Um, kind of large substance and, and mental health facility. And we decided um, as we had a, a couple members go back there that every member that goes back, we're not just going to throw them on a plane and, and wish them the best, you know, and say, call us when you get there. But we, we buy their ticket. We pay for a member to fly with them, to travel with them. Um, they, they can pick any, absolutely any member in the organization they want they trust and they feel comfortable with. And, um, you know, we just say at any moment you want to go as a, as a union and a labor group, we will pay to get you there and somebody to help get you there um, and make sure everything's okay. Um, and we've had, we've sent a couple members back and it's been, it's been a good success. Um, and they've, they've come back, you know, happy and, and healthy. So, but there's, there's a lot of layers to, to making that happen. Are you comfortable addressing, you know, your own journey with this? Because obviously you can tell by the first 10 minutes of discussion here that this isn't something that, you know, you're just interested in because you're in the profession, that you have a personal experience with this. You know, would you mind, are you open to talking about that? Yeah, I am. Um, I mean, to, to kind of dive into it head first. I mean, uh, I grew up in a, a household that my dad was uh, manic depressant. Um, had a lot of mental health issues. Um, and I think, you know, as a kid growing up, you looked at these kind of mental health issues and you went, 
as a kid, you went, what the hell? Can you just get your shit together? Mm-hmm. You know, what, why, are, why, are you, why are you always on different medications? Why mm-hmm. are you crying right now? Like, what the heck is going on? You know, and, and as a teenager and as a young man, you know, you respond to that with anger and frustration of what is going on here, um, you know? So I think for me, it has taken me a very long time um, to realize this is, this is a sickness. This is an illness. This is not a, I'm lazy and don't want to go to work and get out of bed thing. You know, this is a, this is something that affects a lot of people and a lot of households. And you don't get that support if you don't discuss it openly and not make it this taboo event. And, you know, you know, like I said, having this in front of me growing up um, and then being out in the community running calls and seeing people firsthand, I mean, not even our members, just, just people in the community that, you know, we show up at their house and they're having uh, a mental crisis for, for lack of a better term. And you start to realize that this is just such a, uh, a big issue and it's not just you know, firefighters and police officers dealing. I mean, this is just so widespread of mental health. And I, I mean, I could get on my soapbox now for 20 minutes about how I think as a society, we, we have turned our, our back to some mental health. Yeah. But, but um, you know, that's, that's kind of how for me, I, you know, full circle came into the workforce and I, I saw it and Mm. I don't, I don't want to say I had my own, but in 17, I, I kind of go back to that event in 17 where my light bulb went off and I went, Oh my God, this is, this is going to be bad. I mean, this is, we need to figure out how we're dealing with this and not only um, for our members who have been there, but really early on in people's career, how do we, when they come into the organization, give them these avenues and or outlets to, get some of the stuff off their plate and not just wear it 24 seven. I want to compliment. I want to compliment your growth. Like the fact that you were able to do that because um, I I really identified with what you were saying growing up in a, in an alcoholic family and um, you know, no, no, no capital T trauma, but lots of like low grade unpredictabilities and uh, and it sounds like what solidified it for you was was seeing it in in real life. Unfortunately, I'm I'm not as as wise as you. I kind of had to play out my own my own one and learn from that. So I just I just want to commend that you were able to um, I don't know you know what I mean come to come to the wisdom without necessarily going through your own experience. Um, I wouldn't change anything. Here we are all talking and trying to help and, and prevent those, those crises that you talked about, but I just, I'm, I'm really impressed with the message you're delivering. Yeah. Well, I mean, thank, I mean, thank you. I mean, I think everybody, I mean, whether they want to admit it or not, and I don't, I mean, I think everybody has their kind of low, you know, if you will, and like, oh my gosh, moment. Um, and I, and I can speak for me personally. Uh, you know, when we had that member pass away in 17, I kind of found myself in this three day, <laughs> lull of just uh you know it was just a, a different group of of coworkers to go drink with and and do that and it was you know three four days but i like i said that was the light bulb to me that went off was some people aren't going to stop yeah. you know there's there's people that are going to kind of continue to treat this with this 
you know, the, the social events will stop, but people will go home and continue to kind of counsel this way. Um, and, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I think we focused so much, so much of our workforce is focused on helping others that sometimes we just need to take a step back and be selfish and go, are we okay? Is, are you okay from that call? Do you, do you need a break? Do you, you know, and I think we, we just need to be okay with not always being the workforce that has to be um, okay all the time because we're not. Now, have you personally gone through any kind of, you know, system with uh, the department itself where you personally went and sought help at all? No, um, I haven't. You know, we, you know, event 17, I kind of referenced it multiple times at this point, but that was the, I think, event for me where we had a funeral, we had a death, we had a lot of social gatherings, you know, with other fire departments to kind of um, celebrate this member and all of them revolved around heavy drinking. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that, that was it. It wasn't at, at not one point in our organization did we sit down in a circle and just say, is everyone okay here? What are you working through? How are you affected by this? Um, you know, we just continued to meet at bars and tell stories and drink. Um, and, you know, for me personally, I, I was like, okay, well, one, I'm, I'm tired of being hung over every morning, four days into this. Um, you know, and I was just like, this is just not healthy. Um, we didn't do anything for the membership for the most part, as far as counseling or asking if they need help. It was kind of this, is everyone good? Okay. Um, and that was Press it. Forward. Yeah. Yeah. Take it away, put it in a box, stuff it down. Yeah. And, and, and it was about seeking help. There's that feeling of you create the taboo that if I reach out, I'm going to be ostracized. And I was curious, you know, that exists for a lot of people, but breaking that taboo of that first person stepping up and saying, I need help. And other people kind of having the air let out of themselves of, okay, maybe this isn't such a big deal. Maybe this is something I need to go get help with. And it's not bad that I'm doing that. And I was curious, you know, have you seen that shift dramatically or is it slowly starting to happen where one person steps up and says, I need help and others kind of fall in line. And, and um, I, th I think it's, I think it's really quiet. Okay. And I don't think anybody's kind of throwing their hand in the air around the workforce and going, I'm, I'm struggling right now. I need help. I think, um, I think it's always going to be quiet. I don't, I don't think it's going to be ever. And maybe it will, but my, just because of the nature of the job, I, I don't think you're going to see many people that kind of just throw their hands up publicly and say, I need help. But I, I know in chatting with the peer support group, you know, and members of that, we, we do have members utilizing them and talking to them. So I think that's kind of a litmus test that it's, it's being used. Um, we don't know who, you know, cause it's, it's private, but we know people are using it. And that's, I think, the win in itself right now is that people are um, talking to people and, and using these, these groups and these outlets. Just knowing you're not alone has to be huge. Just, I mean, you don't need to see the name, just seeing that somebody else is utilizing this, it, the feeling of I'm not the weak one. I'm not the one who can't handle it, that this is a universal thing. And this is a big, our job is a big deal. Our job 
I mean, the stress and uh, situational trauma that you see in a pro- as a profession, I mean, I'm never going to see a tenth of that in my entire life. So um, it must be, you know, a huge relief to others just to see that it's being utilized, which means I'm not alone. Somebody else is dealing with this too. Absolutely. I mean, we've, like I said, you know, everything in this career, we've, you know, we, we treat members injuries like sports injuries. We get them to specialists quickly there. You know, we want to get people back in the work field. We want them to be healthy. Um, and this is coming along at pace, the mental health component with the, the physical components as well, you know, that we're not just kind of turning our back on this. Um, and, you know, we, and we have support from, you know, our managers and the workforce and it's, it's good. It's, it's a healthy thing that I hope um, the membership continues to use, continues to know is there. These outlets are there and we're seeing it start to be um, recognized in, in legislature. Um, with Senate bills and passing presumptive care um, stuff, you know, Senate Bill 507 um, brought PTSD into uh, workman's comp. That's awesome. Yeah, I think it hasn't been said, but it's come up in my head a few times. I think j- just like it's hard hard to treat and not linear, it's also easy to fake. And I think, uh, 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 I hate that my head even goes there, but I mean, I'm sure that's where some of the resistance on the other side, on the side of help. Oh, well, maybe people are just going to take advantage of the system. I don't, I mean, I've worked in as a professional for 12 years. I've definitely uh, seen people taking advantage of the system. So I think, I, I, I don't, I guess that's more of a statement than a question, but I, but I think on the other side, you always have to wonder what are the barriers? That's one of them uh, that, that, that people might, uh, take unfair advantage to, to work less, basically. I mean, everyone's human. We all, we all have our flaws. So, uh, and then, you know, it just, it's just, it's very complicated. I, th- I think about times where I've been on the edge and I have pushed through and it's worked out and I've gained from that. So, I mean, it's always, it's always hard to know when to raise your hand, when, when to push through. It's, it's just very complicated. So I just think spreading the awareness that it's, that it's an option, I guess. And, and, and connecting people with peers is, is really, I think, that key. Well, and I think you hit fast forward a little bit on where I was hoping to take this, but when you bring up the fact of people, you know, saying, well, yeah, people will fake it, people will you game the system, that's a line of thinking that I personally feel needs to be addressed in everything because there's no 100% accurate rating for anything. There's no un, unabused system in the world. Everything has its abuses, but when we start to, dwell in those lines of thinking we're neglecting a vast majority of people who genuinely have mental health crisis issues because we're worried about a few people gaming the system so i think that's a a, such a counterintuitive and negative thought process anyway because it impedes real help from happening if we're going to start paintbrushing with broad strokes about well somebody might abuse a system Yes, somebody might abuse the system and we'll hopefully catch those people and they'll be punished. And if not, one person gets through, okay. I think for the greater good, you know, we have this group of people whose entire profession is dedicated to saving our lives when we can't save them ourselves. And I think we need to be okay with one or two people gaming a system so that the vast majority of people facing that trauma get the help that they need. And I think that goes for most programs where people say, 
oh, well, somebody's abusing it. I know it because I've seen it. Well, yeah, every system in the world is being abused in some way or another. If we dwell on the, those small percentages and neglect the vast majority of people, it's such a counterintuitive way of thinking. But I, 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 right. I, I, I mean, I, that to me was like where I came around on this. Was, you know, as, a, as a, watching my dad go through this, and I was like, mm-hmm. the first thing we resort to with mental illness is they're lazy, they don't want to go to work, or they're gaming the system. You know, that's, that's where you go. Um, with this and where I had my kind of light bulb moment was you say you need help you're here go yeah take what you need we'll figure it out later like we'll we'll figure it out later I if if you're gaming the system you'll be you'll be found out Um, but I think you know like I said whether it be and you see this with with you know whether it be people we think are seeking drugs on a call or you know we human nature is to resort back to this is uncomfortable. I don't believe you. (laughs) Prove it to me. Prove it. No, prove it. And you're like, well, unfortunately with mental health, the prove it to me is a very dangerous game um, that we just don't, don't want to go down that route. And, and we have seen it go down that route of, you know, substance abuse or, or, or all that stuff. So yeah. I mean, that's just such a, great way to put it and I couldn't agree with that more well I'm particularly sensitive to it uh, as someone that identifies being in recovery because it was the only time in my life where working harder didn't get me more results um, there was a lot of surrendering a lot of letting go which is which is very foreign to me I was always dig down deeper you know I was always into various physical feats and I always took a lot of pride in that I've worked very you know multiple jobs throughout my life and there was just this one condition where it was just I had to admit that I was powerless and that was that was super hard for me so I I agree with what both of you have said I'm just pointing out that there are these complex issues that have to be thought of on both sides so yeah and the I'm sorry go ahead I was always I was just gonna say I've always defaulted to the declaring yourself an expert on something because it's hard and you just want to shut down the conversation is the exact opposite of progress. And when I hear a group of people who are, I mean, I hate the word because it's been weaponized so much, but it's the most macho job I can think of. I mean, man's man profession. And and the women who do it are stronger mentally, physically maturity than I'll ever be. It's, It's a thing of those human beings are so in tune with, with strength. And then if one of them steps up and says, hey, I have an issue, but even outside of that, anyone in life steps up and says, I have an issue, your first response should always be, go, tell me about it. Tell me what's going on. Because belief and then work towards progress and then you find out that they're lying, you can get through anything like that. I mean, you can get through it. If you shut somebody down one time, then the ability to ask for help ever again is erased. So we're, we're placing a morality and a value judgment on mental health and addiction, period. Right. If someone, if you, if, if one of us or just comes down with leukemia and they're in the hospital and they lose their hair, the cards are flowing, the flowers are flowing. Oh my God, I hope he pulls it out. But if someone has a substance issue, just to kind of make this full circle, what the, what the fuck? Like, why can't you just not drink, bro? Right? Yeah. Like why, what, and that's, and that's the same thing in mental health. And it's, it's, um, 
stigmatized. There it is. I mean, it, it's just, oh, you're, you can't handle your beer. And there's, there's just, and that's what needs to talk about, be talked about. And people just need education. That's all just to say, oh, it runs in your family. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's, why are we so sympathetic to people that have cancer or diabetes, but not alcoholism? And it's just because of the, it's, it's ignorance, not in a, not in a pejorative way, but it's just people don't know. And that's, that's why we're talking is to get the, the message out. Hey Shane, one thing I've yeah. been doing this whole time while you've been talking about this is, you know, you didn't have to go through it. Like Adam said, in order to address it, you just believed and understood. Do you think that brotherhood aspect of the firefighter uh, job is going to be a huge aid once the uh, sentiment and the, the numbers start to fall in line with uh, people understanding mental health? Do you think that brotherhood aspect is going to aid in, in advancing that as you see more and more people buying in? Yeah, I, I, mean, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, the, the fire service in general is, is so, I mean, I live with these people a third of my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, to put it in perspective, I mean, my, every third night I'm, you know, gone at the fire station and, and with my crew. And um, so, yeah, that brotherhood is, is, you know, just kind of this unspoken, I mean, it's the, it's the old, I mean, somebody's re-roofing a house. You got, you know, 10 people there. Somebody's painting their house. You got 10 people there. Moving day. It's, you know, people are helping. It's people rally around people in these, these jobs. Um, you, you live with them. Your kids grow up together. Your um, wives know each other. You know, people come by for the, the holidays. I mean, it's, it's very tight knit. So, you know, it's, it's not like this is the guy three cubicles over who's having a, a mental health breakdown that you're like, Oh wow. You know, Bob two, two cubicles over is having a bad day. I hope things get better. Um, this is your, your, your friend, your roommate for a lack of a, a, a better term coworker that you're, it's right in front of you. Um, and, and you're close to these people. You're spending 30 years with them in a job field with barbecues and kids birthday parties. And so you, you, I think you just, you understand the, the bigger picture of how it affects their family, um, their work, their life, their livelihood. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's always been the fire service, the police. You've always had a, a real tight knit group that will rally around people, no matter how big or small the occasion or need. I think we need more. Uh, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm secretly not secretly, that's not the right word, but I'm jealous of that. You know, I, I know another friend that I grew up with uh, after finishing high school sports said he was really missing that fraternity and that brothership, that, that brotherhood. And that's why he went into to being a firefighter. And if I'm being completely honest, you know, I do, I do miss that being a former jock and having all those things and just kind of pointing, pointing out societally where where I think there's a major hole, you know, you mentioned you could do 20 minutes, but it's, we don't go to church anymore. We don't have the bowling leagues anymore. And here I'm going to go, I'm going to bring up COVID, but you know, in the last nine months, <laughs> we don't, we don't have getting together and I'm really sorry, but we're, we are social creatures. So this has been very hard on people. So the, 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 this is such a front front of mind topic with the mental health because we've all been so isolated. Right. And again, it's just the more you two talk about this line of thinking, I'm just sitting here listening and I'm thinking, you know, it's, that's a compounding thing too, because at the beginning in kind of a, 
predisposed bias way. I was talking about the, you know, the older generation and their biases against uh, mental health issues and how that kind of brotherhood made it harder to seek help. On the other side is the new generation is more open to it and understands mental health better. Um, and going through the battle with somebody else and supporting them, you might see it in yourself and you might give yourself that pass to go get help as well. So I think it's going to be a compounding in, in the right direction style of way of thinking. And when I hear that, I think, you know, I think everybody could kind of use that in some way or another. Just the community aspect of anything is fantastic. It is. I mean, in that older generation, really, you know, we, every generation has their shortcomings, you know, whether it be, you know, the older generation, I, I could arguably say it would be sitting around and, and discussing their feelings was not something um, mm -hmm. the men and women were doing 20 years ago around the fire station. Um, but what that generation taught me was so-and-so is re-roofing their house. You better be there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you better help out, you know, you better, you better show up, you know, um, you know, that they were very tight knit and that, that, you know, that's instilled through our organization still and the fire service in general. I mean, it's, it's just such a, a tight knit bond. It's great. Um, but yeah, co, co, I mean, you know, Adam, Adam said the, the magic word of 2020 has, has word. put a, the C word has put a, a slightly different spin, spin on, uh, on that. So well, it's in, I mean, a, we, we can talk, you know, maybe about getting more to more of the mental health, but it, it's what came up for me is really service. And that's a big part of the rec, the various recovery communities is getting outside of yourself and thinking about other people. So whether it's just inside your brother brotherhood uh, social group of, of re-roofing, you're still volunteering your time, having the fellowship and you're performing a service. And that's just a, a really key aspect of having an overall healthy life. Yeah. I, I mean, and I'll, I'll say it over and over and over again, that the men and women I work with are just some of the best people I, I could ever want to be around. I mean, any, any given one of them is just, you know, we all, you know, we, we will bicker around the station like brothers and sisters at times over laundry and dishes, mm -hmm. but it's just, it's such a good group of people. Um, and that's just something really unique to come by that you can have all these different people with different backgrounds um, that kind of land themselves together on a, on a fire engine for the day and, and go out, you know, and, and help people um, is, 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 is a blast. I mean, it's really just so much fun as well. It looks like fun. And that's why I'm a little jealous. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm not just talking about um, mental health training, but how much training, how much is that a part of your job on an ongoing basis? I mean, how much of your month is dedicated to keeping your, you know, physical tools and, uh, you know, processes updated in, in, in the forefront of your minds? How much time do you really spend to that? Uh, a lot. Um, uh, we have our continuing education hours. Um, that we're annually responsible for, for our EMT certifications. We have our fire certifications we're responsible for um, that we do. is is kind of done in pod style training. Again, not to say the C word, but uh, has, has thrown a totally different spin on training and how we do that in groups. Um, but we, we train a lot, um, whether it be fire evolutions or EMS evolutions. 
Um, I'd say it's a pretty large part of our day. I'd say most of our day kind of revolves around training schedules for the most part. Has there been discussion about putting mental health awareness in those trainings? Yeah, we've actually, we actually had one a year ago. It's something we do annually now at this point, came in a couple of years ago. And ironically, um, what's today? The fifth, uh, my next sh shift, um, I'm going to be, me and five other members are taking um, a, a, a workman's comp um, training course with, involving PTSD that the department is letting us do of how to capture this stuff, I guess, you know, in the, in the workplace. Um, you know, we, we go on a fire, we document it, that we had an exposure, you sprained your ankle, it's documented. How do you document PTSD and what mm -hmm. does that look like? So I'm real interested to see what that training looks like. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting. That's amazing that they're doing that. I mean, again, that's just so forward thinking. I don't know anywhere else in life where they're really destigmatizing mental health. Every time you turn on the news and there's somebody who's in mental health crisis, they're vilified. And it's still such a stigmatized topic, even in 2021, um, to know that your departments are not only addressing it, not only calling it uh, what it is, a crisis, but also putting in forward thinking and, and proactive trainings instead of just reactive, which, you know, we, I don't know the statistics, but how much of mental health awareness is reactive to a crisis and not proactive to, you know, what's coming. And it's funny to me because that stigma in my mind has always been so much created by the, I don't want to show weakness. And yet the profession with probably the people who deal with the hardest topics and the strongest people are the ones who are leading the way and, and kind of destigmatizing it. That's fantastic to hear. It, it's great. I mean, it's, it's really, I don't want to say it's in your face around the stations, but I mean, it's, you know, we have flyers up, you know, peer support board. Here's, here's the group. Here's who's on each shift. We have actually broken up by shifts, you know, here are the members who are work each shift that you can contact. And um, yeah. I mean, and I take no credit for the peer support. So that's, I, I had, that was a, a, another one of our members that kind of brought this into the organization that um, again, saw kind of where stuff was going. And, and this member brought this in and um, has been the lead on that and has done a, a phenomenal job um, of not having it in your face, but having it in your face, if that makes sense. <laughs> but you, oh, it you know, it's, you know, it's there, but you're yeah. not, uh, you know, picking up the phone after every, you know, call that sounded like it was rough and saying, you guys good. Does anybody need to chat? Um, so I think it's, uh, they've done a really good job. The, the members on the peer support have just done a phenomenal job, in my opinion. Well, the law of diminishing returns applies to anything. If that's all you're talking about, you can exacerbate any issue. So to know that they're handling it with finesse and awareness, you know, it, it sounds more like an actionable, actually calculated strategy and not just we'll throw a bunch of posters up and talk about it every five minutes. So if we get sued, we can cover our bases. Um, it's great to hear that you, that this is going on. I had no idea that this has been this big a movement inside of the industry itself. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's been something that's probably been going on for, for a lot longer in, in bigger organizations that, you know, I mean, line of duty deaths is really kind of what, you know, triggers some of this, this stuff. And thank God, you know, we've never, gone through anything like that um but you know these these big organizations you know back east in new york and la that 
you know, you, you see that they have these line of duty deaths. I think it's something that they've realized um, needed to come into their workforce. And I can't speak to any of those departments, those big cities, but you would imagine that, you know, it's a, a little slower moving, you know, into a workforce of 10,000 versus my workforce of 120. Um, but yeah, it's, it's being recognized that, you know, like I said earlier in this, cancer is not killing us anymore. It's suicide, mental health, substance abuse. Um, these are the, the, the avenues that, that unfortunately members are taking to. It's interesting the parallels with medicine in that we've, we've figured out so many, and just like you guys have, uh, obviously cancer still exists, people are still going to be exposed, and, 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 but just like with a lot of the um, diseases in the medical community, I mean, modern medicine, uh, just with the type of antibiotics we have and all the fancy uh, resuscitative mes- uh, measures and, and uh, uh, I'm just thinking about intubation and drugs and you know we've we've gone so so far down that road where like if I send a, a very frail old very sick unstable nursing home patient to the hospital literally 99 times out of 100 they can stabilize them and come them back and bring them back no matter how old they are but w- uh, on one hand we we have the the medical advances, but but we are not really getting into the psyche, and I think that's really the next phase in our society. I mean, that's just it's just maybe it's, it's selective because that's what I'm so interested in on my own journey. But I just feel like the mental health component is really the tip of the iceberg, and, and where a lot of the research and uh, I, yeah, is. I, yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think we've seen you know cardiac arrest resuscitation has. I mean, our numbers just continue to get better right. in cardiac arrest saves. And yeah, I mean, we're, our innovation is more successful. We're using, I mean, everything we're using, um, you know, we're 12 leads post, you know, car, I mean, just everything's yeah. just gotten so much better. Quicker, efficient. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, we still find ourselves, I mean, to kind of pivot a little bit on the mental health and not necessarily our workforce, but the people we see in the community, um, you know, we, there's, there's a large subset of people that we we know by first name you know and it's yeah you know you know they're having a bad day um and we're gonna ship them to the the closest ed they're gonna get no help and three days later we will be there to coach Mm -hmm. them through the the next emergency and i mean that's that's a whole nother probably (laughs) two-hour podcast that we (laughs) could talk about that um but yeah i mean just mental health in general is just just as a society, I think we're just failing miserably in so many aspects of. No, I'm glad you brought it up, and and just to tap onto it because I'm I think it'd be fun to explore this a little. It, the mental health affects the physical health, and and I know that may seem obvious, but if you are not living in a thriving setting where you have community, or you have some you know a a, a job whatever you are most likely doing things that are detrimental to your health, whether it's, you know, uh, eating good food or it's just, it's just all so interrelated that it's just, we like to put things in in a compartment and say, Oh, if we just had, if we just had mental health, it would be fine. But it's, it's the mental and the physical and how they're related. So, um, because it's many, many people that end up in an institutionalized health setting, they have, they have both whether it's chicken or egg, it started with 
mental health, but then it's turned into diabetes to where they've lost legs. And it's, 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 it's very complex and it's very interrelated, but we continue to make these amazing advances in medicine because that's where the money is. And there's, there's really no money or, or limited money or profit, unfortunately, in the mental health side. So we're just pushing, pushing, pushing on the physical, and then we're ignoring the mental. And that's where we're at. I mean, I'm going to say that. I don't, that, that, that's, that's how I feel. I don't care. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, just watching my dad go through it, you know, mental, I mean, it's like, I, I'd watch him take, you know, nine different pills a day. And then the next month, you know, they try something new. You know, yeah. So, I mean, it, it does feel like maybe we're, we, we threw a bunch of hope this works at people with mental health or need to control them through medication or need to, you know, do some of that stuff as opposed to kind of unpacking, if you will, what, what is going on here at the, at the core. But it shows, you know, I always like to try to make something op optimistic that we, the fact that your program is doing uh, these, these things that, that we're aware of, the fact that we have a podcast that people want to listen to and hear us blabber on about male vulnerability and, and, you know, hopefully get something out of it and not be judgmental and not write, off, write us off. I mean, I, I feel like it is in the zeitgeist that people are starting to take notice and I'm optimistic for that. And I think the next five, five to 20 years are really exciting when it, when it comes to the opportunity to help heal each other and break yeah. down the stigma, break down the, those walls. I, I feel it happening. Again, I don't know if it's because it's my own. It's hard, it's hard to be objective on that. Yeah, I think so too. And I think, I think people, I mean, for, for me to, I mean, the people that come into our workforce, I mean, there's just, there's so many, like I said, we could sit here and just dissect mental health for hours upon hours, but, you know, veteran mental health, you know, a lot of these people are service oriented. Um, they, they leave, you know, military careers and they go look for public service jobs. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're, you're, you're compounding that trauma of, you know, was there a pre-existing, you know, PTSD there? And, and what did we do, you know, to, as a society to even help them before they, you know, went right back into a service field? And then we kind of scratch our heads going, why isn't this working? You know, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting, interesting topic for sure. Well, you know, back to your point about, you know, it's hard to measure this type of stuff in terms of progress. Um, it is if we look in two or three year windows, if we look in 10 to 15 year windows, 20 year windows, it's not as hard to see the progress in terms of these topics. You know, you talk about your dad went through a lot of mental health issues. My dad did as well too. He was much older. He was in uh, World War II at 17 years old, lied about his age to get in. Um, you know, he came home and never addressed it. He was a doctor too, and he never addressed his mental health issues. And it didn't take long of knowing him before everybody else saw them. And that doesn't seem to be as taboo because I would talk to him about those things and say, Hey Dick, you obviously have some stuff you need to work on. And that wasn't even a topic they were willing to broach. There was this feeling of, I'm not a man if I can't handle my emotions. And I think that when we talk about compounding topics in terms of, you know, mental health also has physical health issues. I think that goes for societal topics as well as we've broached a lot of hard topics in the last 20 years that we didn't want to talk about for, you know, the first 200 years uh, of this, this country being here, you know, 
the Me Too movement has brought a lot of awareness to male behaviors. And mm-hmm. then in doing that, we've also started to understand, you know, our own weaknesses and our own issues and our own ailments. And I think all of these topics compound together are starting to drive forward the idea of quit with this macho bullshit of I'm okay and everything I do is okay because I'm a man. You need help sometimes. It's okay that you need help. And some of the things you do aren't great. That's okay too. Address them. Get help. Figure them out. We're all here to grow and we're on a process from birth to death of growth and understanding ourselves and the world better. Don't just assume you know. It's okay to not know. It's okay to be uh, on the mend. It's okay to have a mental health issue. Address it. Get actual help. Don't just self-medicate and move forward. And I think all of these issues, if you look at society back in the 80s and 90s, and then you look at it today, there's a lot of things that aren't as great, but there are a lot of things that are light years better yeah. um, in terms of awareness and addressing issues. And I think that, you know, it is measurable if you look at 25 years. Again, Shane, you said your dad, like you watched it with him. Would he ever have been open to this conversation with you? Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, would he have, maybe, would I have been open to having this conversation with him at 15? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think that's maybe the harder part is having somebody who's willing to accept the conversation, right? I mean, I think he would have been. So I guess, yeah, short answer, yes. But would he have had a captive audience with a with a son at 15 going, what the hell's wrong with you? Probably not, you know? So I think the captive audience is the the key to all this, you know? Yeah, just accepting that it's okay. That yeah. all this is yeah. okay. Well, I think we we model that to our children. You know, we're all we're we're all fathers, and it, I really like this topic. We we've we've talked about it before, Ed, and it's it's almost kind of funny. I mean, just to think about we all know each other, like our group of friends, and it's like when when you know when we went over to each other's friend's house, it was like the I don't know, it was like oh, watch out for Mr. Smith. You know, stay away from him after work. Like the, the dad yeah. went to work, yep. and it's just like we now as men as young fathers are uh a lot has changed i probably for the better um you know we're more women are working more and 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 men are home more with the children so they're able to have that nurturing role which if i'm being completely honest as a father was a tremendous opportunity for growth for me i mean that, that was part of a that was kind of part of everything, you know, is that, that was, that was where I had a, a lot of deficiencies and I've actually found that extremely challenging, but also really rewarding. It's like the hardest and the best thing I've ever done. So I 100% agree with you. And I am optimistic that our society is, ch- is changing as, as we evolve. And, and it's important if you're on some sort of wellness path to not look at yourself day to day, but that is a big, bigger picture too, you know, uh, every two weeks, uh, I, I actually recently read about, which is a good one, you know, because you're going to have more ups and downs, especially as I get into my later 30s, uh, more downs than ups, um, unfortunately, physically. Um, but do you guys agree with that? Is your experience as fathers that we're hopefully going to traumatize our kids a little less than we were traumatized? Yes. I mean, yeah. yes, yeah. I think we're going to traumatize our kids, but I think now we all understand that that's okay. That's kind of how life works. And, you know, we'll be open to understanding how we traumatize them. And when they seek help, we won't be 
as quick to deny what our role was in them needing help. I think those things are real. The idea that we're not going to traumatize our kids is, I, I don't know if that is an accurate way of putting it, but I think we'll be more open to the conversation about what they need and what we, what our role in that will be. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, having a son now and a daughter on the way here soon, I mean, I think what I am, I am more nervous about um, their, their trauma coming from cell phones or likes or shares or that stuff. I think you're always going to have that parent trauma that, you know, my parents did this or they did that to me. Um, you know, that's just part of being a kid to a certain extent with some of that. Um, but I, I am nervous. I, I do think it was easier to be a kid 20 years ago than it is now. Yeah. That's my big worry too. We can't filter out what they're seeing and they're not old enough to understand what they're seeing. So yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, and that's, that's terrifying to me is going, you know, how do you, how do you, uh, <laughs> protect them without, uh, you know, filtering them or making them be the weird kid without the cell phone. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's the, you know, how do you, how do you do that? And I think, yeah, who knows? Maybe this last year, a lot of things will have, have reset with, you know, I don't know. I don't know where things are going, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Right. But, you know, in terms of the topic that we, we've had today, I, I don't know that it's something that, again, that if we really look at the global picture of mental health and just how stigmatized it is in all of society, I don't think we can deny that people are starting to wake up. I'm not saying we've reached any kind of goal line or finish line. I don't know that we ever will. What does perfect look like? But to hear that this industry that's led with some of the toughest, most physically and mentally uh, stressed and, and traumatized people, it, that they're open to it and that you're embracing it and being proactive. I mean, this isn't reactive stuff. This is incredibly proactive. Having training courses, um, opening up the conversation, making awareness spoken about, you know, that's incredibly proactive stuff. That's how, that's fantastic to hear. It shows. It, it is. I mean, it, and I think, you know, we've talked about, you know, you know, Adam brought it up earlier, of you know, physical health. And I think where police and fire and public safety jobs have, have figured out is to have a, a physically healthy workforce. The, the mental component is just as important as the strength training portion. And, you know, to have people going out and, and, you know, helping people through this and coming to work and being engaged. Um, this is a huge part of it. And I think I'm proud to be in an industry that is engaged in that. I am grateful for your being vulnerable and sharing it and just getting together with us and sharing your story and letting, letting us into that world. I'm just really indebted and it, I, I got a lot out of this and I'm, I know it's going to be well, well received by our listeners. So thank you very much. Well, thank you guys for, for having me. It was a fun, fun conversation. And, you know, I hope, I hope, you know, people just are more, more open and accepting of, you know, not just with um, public safety, you know, people, but just in a society as general that, you know, that we don't just turn our backs on these people who are having um, significant mental crisis. Well, and I don't want to be overly dramatic here, but, when we are talking to somebody in a profession that runs in the direction everybody else is running screaming from uh, as a line of work, 
and you're embracing this topic and it's something that you're driving as a profession, that's only going to make this easier for everybody else. I mean, you're in the type of industry that can actually influence people. Can, you know, us knowing that what you're going through and that you're embracing mental health awareness and that people in the toughest positions, the strongest fields are embracing this and understanding it, that's only going to move the needle in the right direction. That's how the conversation gets started. That's people like me and Adam don't change conversations. People who have your job change conversations. So that's why it's important that, you know, someone like you come on the radio or, or a podcast and share that message. Because again, you're the ones running in the direction we're fleeing from. And you're willing to say, hey, this is a real thing. This is a problem. It needs to be addressed. It's every bit as important as physical ailments. That can only move the needle in the right direction for everybody else. To let us set back and say, if they embrace this, maybe it's okay that I embrace this too. Yeah, I mean, and and we are. <laughs> We're all all in on this um, as a workforce. This isn't going anywhere. Um, this isn't a, a niche. Um, let's see how this works for a year. I think as a as a as a labor group and as a workforce, we're we're all in on this, um, and this isn't some kind of uh, fad of of health that we're going to see go out the door in two years. Um, so I think we're we're fully committed to it. We see there's a need, and uh, we'll continue to continue to kind of forge on to make sure that uh, you know our our members are are happy and healthy and and living uh, productive lives at home as well outside of work. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing this with us today. It, it, this was a great hour for us. Thank you guys uh, for, for having me. It was fun. Fun to chat with you guys. Beautiful. Good, good luck with the growing family. Very happy for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Busy, uh, busy year coming up, but uh, it should be fun. I think, uh, you know, everybody learned important lessons of 2020 and mine was, I, I mean, I didn't do it. I didn't slow down, but uh you know, I think you you look at the next year ahead and go, I'm going to slow down a bit. And we got a lot of time together this year and camping and just being out and outdoors yeah. and doing stuff. So good year and happy to happy to forge on to the next one. Outstanding year. Have a great rest of your day. All right. You guys take care. Well, life on earth ain't all it's cracked up to be. You'd be fine if it wasn't for me. Table.
ESP And it's a gonna be a bright and wonderful day We all having some suit down at Beans Cafe As I look around this tidal town I see them police to chase you round You'll be wishing the handcuffs little bit loose You'll be wishing you were drinking whiskey On the cabus Cause when the police come with their tear gas preparation Gonna take you down to some secret underground location we just want a little bit of your information. Oh, we're going to stick you and your dirty friends with instigation. I jumped up. I screamed. You, y'all have the equation. The other half is a majority population. They've been shut out of the power consolidation. All we want is human rights, not corporations. Oh man, don't you see you're just a tool of the situation? You showed up to protect the state from the nation. Your arrival coincides with the escalation. Do you understand the hidden implication? Am I clear enough with my little bit of accusation? And because I got 12 years public education, they give me time served and one year's probation. It's life on earth and all it's cracked up to be. You'd be fine if it wasn't for me. And I ain't saying we can't all get along. It's easy to forgive you, baby, cause you're wrong.